0: Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. Command codes verified. Welcome back to GGR Pirate Radio. Uh, so let's jump. I forgot to mention the con of all the flags we'd have to replace if there was (laughs) another star on the flag. (laughs) You know how much money we could make off of that? It would
1: be a boost
0: to the economy. You're right. Yeah. It's almost as... Big flag business would go up. Exactly.
2: It would be huge. Huge. Well, yeah, but you know, this is the other thing, though, because usually... When uh, states have been added, they add them two at a time. And it's like one Democratic state and one Republican state. In fact, the last time they added two, you know, because we used to be 48 states before we went to 50, added Alaska and Hawaii. Hawaii was the Democratic state. Alaska was the Republican state.
0: So we got to find a Republican version of D.C.
2: Yeah, it could be Puerto Rico.
0: (laughs) You make (laughs) Puerto Rico a state. I don't think Puerto
1: Rico is going to be Republican, though. Uh, I don't think
0: They're big fans of the, yeah. the the GOP. No, not so. Not at this point. So, so
2: Steve, I'll drop a couple of names for you here: uh, Cliff Stout, Mark Malone, Bubby Brister, Todd Blackledge, oh. Brister. Mike Tomzak, yeah, <laughs> Cordell Stewart.
0: <laughs> couple, oh. couple of former Steelers. I, I, you, what about Tommy Maddox?
2: Yeah. Oh, he's another one. Yeah. You know, but guys who played quarterback, I mean, and I mean, I'm old enough to remember cause in fact, it was David Woodley when, uh, Bradshaw first retired. Actually, was it Woodley or was it Cliff Stout? I think it was Cliff Stout now that I think about it, but he didn't actually get to start. Uh, but it looked like he was going to be the heir apparent. And, um, and then Mark Malone came in and, um, you know, but these were guys who were on the roster cause, Bradshaw was still he was still playing. Actually I think it was Cliff Stout. I think Stout got like one start. And um anyway though. But yeah, so yeah the Steelers have been down that road before and it's it's oh, yeah. been fun. It's been the fun. The only Every thing that
0: franchise goes through it, you know. The the only the only team that's undefeated is Father Time's team, right? You know what I mean? They they always win.
1: <laughs> the only the only thing that Mark Malone can claim is uh is his claim to fame when it comes to quarterbacking uh is greatest Ah, quarterback mustache of all time, like that. It's like Tom Selleck playing quarterback for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Have you that heard was, of Gardner, that Gardner up Minshew? That yeah, I was getting ready to say. say it. It. <laughs>
2: it until that no, guy.
1: that is. Right. No, right. mother- let me tell Jaguars. you about Gardner. Let me tell you about Gardner Minshew, right? It is it was it was destined by fate alone that the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> would draft Florida man because he is the physical embodiment <laughs> of Florida man. He looks exactly like him. If you would if you have read some of the things that he did when he was at Washington State University, like known for carrying a, uh, a flask of uh, Crown Royal. And a um and an elastic belt around his waist so that he can continue drinking as he walked around campus. This guy, like I'm telling you, like he it's it's yeah, like
0: <laughs> that's moonshine he made. You know what I mean? Like mm. we know what's in that bottle. <laughs> yeah, like
1: th- this guy, like it, it, I I don't I don't even know where to start with this guy because like he's just like like how did this how did they draft this guy and then not expect. Uh, Nick Foles to get hurt and then have him take over like I just I look at this guy and I haven't even heard his interviews but all I can hear out of his mouth is just stuff like Uncle Rico said from Napoleon Dynamite you know like <laughs> hey hey Jaguars fans watch me throw this football over the mountains like it just like that's all I can picture coming out of this guy <laughs>
3: hey
2: I did hear that and I don't know whether this is true or not it's <laughs> something I read in the paper but I heard when he left to go to college he said he went to Washington State apparently he told his dad you're the man of the house now. <laughs> oh my god, that is so ridiculous. I mean, how can you not love a guy like this, you know? Yeah. Like, I was exactly. watching some of that game last night. He was eating it up.
3: Oh yeah. Have I was they, just yeah. Have they,
2: well, I'm not even watching it anymore.
1: So he, like how,
3: Nick Nick Foles might not have a job when he comes back in November whenever oh, no. they're expecting him to be this healthy, this might be yeah, oh. this
2: might be one of them Trent Green situations. Yeah, <laughs> so right they the paid my- Trent Green all that money to leave Washington, and then Trent Green got hurt, and it opened the door for a guy who had been bagging groceries. Let me
1: let me tell you guys real quick here. Um, First off, all you listeners out there, welcome back. It's another episode of GGR Pirate Radio. Apparently, we're just going to keep talking about sports tonight, which is all good by me. (laughs) Uh, We've got Ulysses Campbell, special guest. He is the founder and host and all things... Uh, Fantastic Forum. You can check them out at fantasticforum.tv. They're also on WERA Saturday afternoons at 4 p.m. Make sure you check them out there. Uh, We've also got our crew, our awesome triad of of amazing podcasting glory. It's myself, it's MC Brooks, and it's Ulysses E. Campbell. Um, I'm bringing this up because an amazing thing happened to me the other day. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, right? So I have quite possibly the most easily identifiable email address in the world. It's my first initial and my last name at domain.com I'm not going to say it because I don't want to be flooded with a bunch of emails I already get a ton of those <laughs> but as as I found out as the internet has progressed in time and I've learned more about other Mike Lunsford's that are out there there are a ton of Mike Lunsford's but also not only are there a ton of Mike Lunsford's there's a lot of people a lot of Mary's and Matt's and Marcuses, and just a lot of M Lunsford's I got an email from a dude last uh, this was Yet not yesterday, Wednesday night, Wednesday night that said, hey, here's some Ticketmaster tickets for the Jacksonville Jaguars versus Tennessee Titans game. And it says, hey, buddy, it's Randy. I hope you enjoy your game. And I'm like, wait, what? This dude just blind transferred me four tickets to a Jacksonville Jaguars game. Mind you, I'm in Virginia. I can't really make it to this game. But this sort of thing where I get random things that were not meant for me because I have such a common email address happens all the time. And all I could do is envision like if I was a bigger football fan, like calling you, MC, calling you, Yuli and calling Steve and saying, guys, Get here! We're going to the Jags Titans game. trip, <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, because was I'm 14. already there. It was four tickets. Like, we would find a way to make this happen. And then just, like, I would just show up and be like, yeah, of course. it's. Of course these were meant for me. But I have a conscience, and I and I emailed the, the sender back. And I was like, hey, Randy, I'm not sure who you think this is, but I'm not the person that you're looking for because I don't even live in Florida. I'm nowhere close. I think you got the wrong email, buddy. So hopefully, Randy, if you're listening, which I doubt that you are, um, thanks for the tickets. Um, but uh, hopefully you found who you were looking for with that because... I was not going to be able to make it to Jacksonville for that game, unfortunately.
0: As a small note, the entire time you were telling that story about us going to the game, Finn Lizzie's "The Boys Are Back in Town" was playing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that, not, no other relevant point. I just wanted to let you have an insight into my
2: psyche.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I've I'm
2: heard that
0: that Jaguar
2: Stadium is a real fun place to watch a game. You got well, that uh, like, little I mean, swimming the, pool and stuff. Yeah, in the back? I was getting God. ready to say. Yeah, I saw that on TV.
1: Well, it's also, too, like, that particular stadium is the host of the Georgia University of Florida game, which is nicknamed the largest outdoor cocktail party in the country. So, I mean, that place knows how to party. Let's just put it that way. Like, an MC just sent us a picture of uh, Gardner Michu and Tom Brady next to each other. (laughs) One of these quarterbacks is 23 and the other one is 42.
2: (laughs) You know, <laughs> it's going to be a great day. The day that... Actually, not even the day Tom Brady stops playing. But I would imagine his skills will erode at some point And he's going to be shit. And oh. that's what I'm waiting for. I want to wait where he can't connect with a receiver. His balls are going into the dirt. Basically, he's like
3: Peyton, Peyton Manning.
2: Manning at the end of his career.
1: Oh, yeah. That was sad to watch, dude. I watched... Okay, so... Yeah. I didn't remember it when it actually happened, but I was going back and watching. Um, just like for whatever reason, it was. Uh, I love SB Nation, by the way. Um, it's on. They're oh, on Facebook. Yeah. Big oh fan of yeah, SB they're Nation. so good. Yeah, they have just fantastic stuff. Um, and in fact, I'm going to try to reach out to those guys and see if we can get any of them to come on the podcast because I just absolutely love the things they did. They did one about Dan Marino's last game, talking about how mm. he's this historic quarterback, and it was against the Jaguars, and the Jaguars beat him in the playoffs, sixty-two to seven or 62 to 13. It was something bad. But like I'm watching this game, right, and I'm watching Dan Marino throw the ball and it's not Dan Marino throwing the ball. There's no zip on the on the ball. Like I mean this dude used to throw like darts. Like it was it was incredible like how hard this guy threw. And like it was sad watching this because you could tell that he just like he probably because he retired. That was his last game. It's almost like he waited a year too long because he just didn't have anything left, and it was really sad to watch. And like, I, I hope that Brady, as somebody who I can't support Brady anymore, but when he first came into the league, he was this scrappy, skinny kid from California, mm-hmm. just out of nowhere. Yeah, was you're just, rooting for him. Yeah, like he he was this guy. He was this good. It was this feel good story. Like the the story goes like in that Super Bowl against the Rams. Um, while everybody else is like panicking and nervous and like not knowing what to do with themselves before the game start, Brady was taking a nap and everybody was just like, wow, this dude is just, he's just chill. Like, this is the guy we want leading us. And he was, he didn't have an amazing arm. He didn't have, he wasn't fast, but he just, he found a way to win. And like, it was impressive. And somewhere along the line, like he just turned into something completely different, but like, it's still like, I, as much as you, uh, Yuli, like you said, as much as you would love to see him, you know, like missing targets and overthrowing balls or, or getting them short and like just becoming a shell of his former self. I don't I, I don't want to see that. I, I mean, I just kind of I was hoping after this Super Bowl, this last one against the Rams that he would just hang it up, like go off <laughs> go out. On top. But like, I feel like he's, no. he's, he's pushing, he, he's 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 given the middle finger to father time. And as, as, as Steve deftly put earlier, um, father time is undefeated and yeah like that's that that's what do they say there's only there's only two guarantees in the world death and taxes like eventually your time is going to come tom brady and like maybe he's maybe he's got something figured out with that weird nutritionist that he works with and all that crazy exercise (laughs) that he does and whatever like maybe he's gonna out he's gonna laugh us all you know like laugh at us all as he as he plays until he's 50 but like
3: they're gonna they're, at one point they're they're um they're just gonna wheel out his carcass in a wheelchair and just <laughs> and by RC remote have him out there completing four or five passes for sixty yards. Oh, so they're gonna convert it. Go 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 go. that motherfucker,
2: huh? <laughs> and Y'all doubt what be else? <laughs> scared you know, the it. shit out of me when I was a kid. He's gonna be like my king tomorrow. I'm like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> He's going to be like um, like Captain Pike in the old Star Trek series. They're just going to wheel out one of those <laughs> things. And all they can do is respond with like binary answers. Mm. Are we running or passing, Tom? Beep.
2: <laughs> Beep. Look, I- I'm not joking Beep about that. And... Seriously. Did you, see, did you see El Cid with Charlton Heston? You know that story?
1: I, I don't unless it's about... I'm reading it right now. Like... <laughs> I, I got to look this up. It looks like it was a little before my time, but that's okay. Let's read what we got here. Let's see. El Cid was a Castilian warlord in medieval Spain. The Moors called him El Cid, which means the Lord of... Uh, the Lord of Cid, apparently. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it just meant the Lord one who
2: stands out yeah, in the pequeño. battlefield. <laughs>
1: yeah. El, Camp, uh, El Campeador or which stood for the battlefielder or outstanding warrior or the one who stands out in battlefield. So give us a quick rundown. Yuli. what. Why is this of note? Why should we know about this guy?
2: OK, well, Charlton Heston played him in a movie and a uh, badass warrior. OK, and, um, you know, in fact, even like the king of Spain and shit was, uh, you know, it was, uh, was initially against him. But they were trying, I forget who they were fighting, whoever the, the enemy was, they were fighting the enemy. And uh, the king ultimately came around and was like, you know what, this guy is okay, he's loyal, he ain't trying to like usurp my kingdom and whatever. And uh, But here's the thing, so um, El Cid took an arrow, like the day before the big battle, and it was, uh, it was a <laughs> fatal wound. But he said, you know, because they knew that he had to be with the king to inspire the army. And, um, so, uh, he said, I have to be riding with my King in battle tomorrow, no matter what, even though he was dying. So he dies, they prop him up in the saddle, you know, they got like, Oh my God, <laughs> some kind of harness on the horse or whatever, you know? And, uh, you know, his arm is you know, like carrying the flag or whatever. And, you know, they sent about, and, you know, I mean, the, the enemy forces knew that this guy had been struck by a fatal blow. And apparently the sight of him, you know, coming out there riding in battle, they're like, how is this possible? Oh, my God. You know, I mean, and it broke uh, the back of the enemy forces. The battle was won by, you know, the forces, uh, you know, loyal to, uh, you know, El Cid and the king and whatever. But it was a dope ass scene in the movie. It was (laughs) the end of the movie. And here's Charlton Heston dead. But like they prop him up in the saddle and he comes riding out there. And you're like, oh, damn. (laughs) I mean, it's just like anytime. Somebody is dead, but they're still doing stuff in the movie. I had the same issue with Lonesome Dove, you know? I mean, once, uh, you know, the uh, the lead character of that was... Because, I mean, he wasn't, like... It wasn't as overt. I mean, his cas- his body was in a casket. But he was still a character in the thing, even though he was dead. Because Tommy Lee Jones was, like, carrying his body, like, back east or whatever. I was like, oh damn, look at it, I-
1: I I never saw El Cid, but I did see its subsequent sequels, and that would be Weekend at Bernie's 1 and 2. (laughs) And I enjoyed those. So, guys, what I wanted to do for this second episode, before we started talking about propping up corpses and putting them on horses, (laughs) one of the things that we've all had to do at various points in our lives is we've all had to interview for a job. And or you've been on the other side of it where you have been the interviewer. And I wanted to talk about this because there are always some really good stories that come from this, both insightful and then just utterly ridiculous stories of things that people have said or things that people have asked you or you have asked them and their responses. But one of the ones that they gave me that really like it, it was kind of a, I'm, I'm interviewing for a position within the place that I work right now. And one of the questions that they asked me that like totally knocked a pause in me and like really made me think was they wanted me to name a time that I had professionally failed and what I had done to deal with that failure and how I was overcoming it. And I was like, damn, that is that is deep. I was like, this is not just like, you know. Tell me about a time where you had to give somebody some bad news. Like, this is some. They really want you to be in, uh, like in- introspective with this, and I wanted to see like almost interviewing you guys. But I mean, you guys have already gotten the job, obviously. Um, but I just want to see like for for you guys, like what some of those answers might be. So um, I think you know to be polite, we'll start with our guest, Yuli. What's a time? in your professional career that you failed and what did you take away from that? And like, what have you done to prevent that sort of failure
2: from happening again? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I had no idea. I was in there for interviewing for a job tonight. Hey,
1: this is, uh, you were talking about political aspirations. They've been doing a lot of debates on, uh, on TV lately. So this is very in line with that. So candidate Campbell, tell us please a time that you failed professionally and how you've overcome it.
2: Well, you know, we, we would have had plenty of debate prep (laughs) that I would have been able to, but um, no, you know, the, the um, one thing comes to mind and it was, it was an aggressive mistake, but uh, I, um, I was asked by a a potential applicant uh, who was looking for some office space um, not to disclose to his employees that he was looking for office space. And um, I inadvertently did. I was sending him um, an application and uh, there was somebody that, I mean, I called his place of business and I wasn't even thinking about it. I was like, oh yeah, well I'm sending this thing. And then it was like, oh fuck. Oh damn. So I would just say, pay attention. <laughs> you know, Don't forget what the hell it is you're doing. Um, try to be mindful of uh whatever it is, uh, if you happen to be working with somebody, uh, you know, especially if you have uh, something that they that they need. And this would have been good for everybody. I mean, it was um, he was he was a tenant who would have been ideal for this particular property for a variety of reasons. And uh, he ended up not renting with us. And, um, you know, I just I took it particularly hard I mean it wasn't a big deal there weren't any repercussions for me um, uh, personally or professionally other than I was just like well that was really stupid you know (laughs) he asked me something very specific and I was so anxious to try and get the deal done that I wasn't even thinking about what it was he had asked me you know and so uh, you know I, I again I would just say be mindful of what you're doing at all times. Think about, think about what you're doing. I mean, don't be on autopilot when you happen to be on the job. So.
1: Uh, thank you, candidate Campbell. Uh, your time <laughs> is up. Uh, same question for candidate Monik, give us a time that you failed professionally and how you've overcome that.
0: Sure. So there was this time um, I was leading like a large group and we had uh, a meeting the next day and, um, well, I took an arrow and, uh, you know, I couldn't handle it and I passed away and they just <laughs> threw my ass up on a horse <laughs> and, uh, we, we got to the meeting, we led the meeting and we got through it, you know, and the <laughs> rest, as they say, is history. Well, no, but for, well, for, well. A real, <laughs> for, a real, for real answer, <laughs> cause I was like, there's no way he just asked this question cause that fits perfectly. Um, no, uh, Early on, um, I actually, it, it kind of goes back, because a lot of people are surprised, like I work in finance and banking, and been working there for quite some time now, and I actually have a biology degree. And I have a biology degree because I thought, I love science, I love working in the lab, I love this stuff. Um, and what I realized far too late, um, after working my first job out of college at a brewery, uh that the part that I liked was the collaborative having a problem to solve with a team working together in the lab to solve that problem. And yeah, I like science. I find it interesting. I find it something that's worth studying and everything like that. But my job was 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. overnight because it was a 24-hour production facility, this brewery, Uh, and doing tests by yourself at night, Um, You know, just sitting there listening to your headset. I mean, there's only so many podcasts you can listen to or songs you can listen to before you just need some human interaction and that kind of thing. And, you know, I kind of had to take stock and, and go, wow, like I, I did not um, realize, uh, you know, enough about myself uh, to think long term about what profession was actually going to suit me, not about my just my skill set, but my drive and my passion and what I'd like to do. Um, so I had to pivot and pivot into a completely different, uh, field entirely, teach myself a new skill set, teach myself a a whole new industry where I could take those same kind of talents of, you know, being methodical, being analytical, the kind of things you need to do in the lab, uh, but also have a collaborative kind of thing where we're problem solving, um, and, and just transition that into a different passion of mine, which is, Finance and numbers, and helping people, um, you know, establish themselves long term.
1: MC Brooks, same question. Professional wait, 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 failure. Wait,
2: wait, wait, wait. Oh, hold sorry. up, hold up, wait a second. Oh, go <laughs> I ahead. just gotta ask something. Oh, there's a question. Oh there's, a question. Like, oh, there's a question. Wait, Antonio Brown was cut by the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: oh my God. Yes. You know
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, my God. All right. I'm sorry. I just, yeah, yeah. I just was, saw that.
0: I'm he, like. He, He was harassing um, he was harassing through text messages uh, one of his accusers uh, from from the civil trial. Uh, And so obviously there's a litany of investigations that are happening both outside the NFL and inside the NFL. And even at this point, the Patriots are like, yeah, even for us, this is too much. Bye.
3: (laughs) We
1: can't can't fix you, Antonio. Sorry. Even
0: for us, this
2: is too much. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it's, Damn. It's wait, wait, did he, did he even get to play with them? Yeah, I he guess. played, he one, played one last game, week. Yeah.
3: He did, yeah.
2: Because yeah. oh, I wasn't sure. I mean, I knew when the like the trade happened or whatever, but I thought – and he couldn't play in that first game. Yeah. But I did – wow. That is yeah. fucked up. So he's yeah. not going to get that money either. Nope.
3: Nope. 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 no, no it's nope. Over. They had, it's Yeah, nope. They, they had a clause in there in the contract with the Patriots that if he – did anything to bring negative attention to the team, it would void the entire contract. Mm, 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 mm. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a friend in fantasy who drafted, uh, <laughs> drafted <laughs> Andrew Luck, Melvin Gordon, and AB. <laughs> Whoops. Wow. Uh, yeah, that, way, yeah. One guy, guy
2: drafted all those players.
3: Yeah. He, he had. Yeah.
2: He ain't yeah. gonna have such a hot season. <laughs> no.
3: I told I told him before, and I was like, I don't know why you draft so far ahead of the season starting, and then
1: well, <laughs> <laughs> he had Andrew Luck as his quarterback. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah just
2: yeah. all bad. So MC Brooks really smart to looking really dumb. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay.
1: Oh no! You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> You know, I forgot that this is fantastic forum and you run this. So. <laughs> I am just screwing with you, Ulysses. I am just messing with you, man. Um, so, in fact, I'll have a question for you about something else here in a second, because I want to know about uh, SPX, which if you're unfamiliar with SPX, what that stands for, that is the Small Press Expo. And uh, Mr. Campbell, hopefully, will be nice enough to tell us a little bit about what he experienced at the Small Press Expo. Uh, but MC Brooks... Tell me about a time that you failed and and like what you've
3: done to overcome it and like what you learned from that failure. Um so 2015 I got my first like big boy job, like my first official official post college salary job. And I got I got hooked up um by a friend of mine um because she had been working there for a couple years before spoke very glowingly about the environment about the people there, so I was like super excited um now the the training for this job was to this day the hardest like five weeks of my life because it was literally like it, it like it was worse than any college course that I had ever taken because i was it was it was dual. Learning, uh, learning all the terminology, learning about the company and the procedures and policies and, and everything, but also learning like the ins and outs of the equipment. So I was basically support staff for an alarm company. Um, um, not ADT, but (laughs) (laughs) an alarm company. So, um, yeah, that five weeks was like the hardest, the hardest thing ever. Like I had to quit football in order to do it, I, like I had no life. Right. But I was like, like having this job was going to be really, really great. I was really looking forward to it. And and I was really excited because I really felt like this was going to be the thing that was going to springboard me into like, you know, stability, you know, all like all this, all the stuff you're supposed to do when you become an adult. Right. And so I you would I, be
1: MCEO Brooks is what you
2: would be
3: see what i did see what i Um,
1: did there
3: okay you're welcome so i so i've been working there and i i um i was primarily working phones which was like not my thing but i was like i wanted to i wanted to get better at it i wanted to get better at it uh a lot of the perks for this company were really fantastic if you were if you were good at your job like I mean, they had like if like if you were like one of the top uh, top people uh, at the end of like the fiscal year, like you could you had uh, options to go on like these four or five day vacations. But you could also do stuff like have like these Apple packages where you get like a new laptop, uh, Apple Watch and a tablet, like all this stuff. Like it was super dope. Like everyone I worked with was was nerdy. We had a PS1, a PS4 and Xbox one in our break room. Like, uh, uh, we had a foosball pool table, like ice, uh, table hockey. We, we, and if you work weekends, they gave you free food. Like they, they ordered food and they would give you food just for being there. Like it, it seemed like just an amazing job. And I was like, man, I'm going to be here for a while. I was really excited. And then like, as time progressed, and I was and I was doing the job, I found myself, I found myself, you know, being less and less and less happy with it, happy with the job, and my overall quality of work that I was doing there just kind of it dwindled, and it was it was it was kind of fading. Like I thought I was making such a great progress, but then like with every meeting with my supervisor and my manager, it just seemed like, well, this is this is not it, you know, the, you know, I, I think I'm taking three steps forward and I'm actually taking seven steps backward. And it got to a point where I couldn't take it. Like I, I was I, I literally walked into work one day and had an anxiety attack. Damn, and I man. left and I left, I left. And then I just didn't show up to work for like a week. Um, I used up all my vacation time to cover those days. Um, but I then i I came back one day and I was like all right you know I'm feeling good I'm feeling refreshed maybe I just needed the the time off and you know now I can I can get back into it because I was also approaching my um like my nine month anniversary which after I think after nine months I got to I got to actually change my schedule from what I had been working which was awful to something that would have been probably more to my, my, more to my liking. And even with, with, with all of that, with all the perks and benefits with, with having a salary job and, you know, get like knowing that I'm going to get paid the same. Oh, I I completely ignored the fact that they threw us a free happy hour every month. Damn. <laughs> free happy hour on the company from five to 1am on whatever, whatever date they chose, which was always yeah. a Friday. But it at was what
1: cost, you know, have yeah. Your own sanity.
3: Well, that's ultimately what it was like after a week off, I came, I came back in, I did my normal morning routine. I was there for about 40 minutes and I had another anxiety attack and I was like this. Okay. I can't do this. And, and, and in the back of my mind, I I had kind of been think, I had kind of been looking for other jobs already because, because I was like, you know, maybe if I do find something else, then I will just go do that. You know, I'll, I'll I'll just, you know, go find something else and blah, blah, blah. And I'll just stay here until then. But anyone who's ever been on job search, like understands how friggin' impossible it can feel like, uh, how impossible it can feel that you'll find work when you're, when you're not working. So I really didn't want to get back into that, but ultimately I just left. Like I, I left all my stuff on my desk I wrote my manager an email. I didn't even go into like detail or anything. I just I was like, "Hey, sorry, uh, sorry for wasting your time. I, I can't do this." And I left. I just I left. I went home. I, I, I had nothing but the money saved in my bank account. I had I had no idea what I was going to be doing next. I had no prospects, I had no interviews set up. I had nothing going for me. And I was, I ended up being unemployed for six months and it actually ended up being like the best thing to happen to me because I learned a lot about what I was willing to, what I was willing to, to deal with as far as a potential employer. Like, yeah, all the perks working there were great. The money was great, but I was deeply unhappy and my depression was at an all time high I was chain smoking. I was going through at least two packs of cigarettes a week. And I had never chain smoked to that before I worked there. And I, I learned just a lot about, you know, what what I wanted to deal with and kind of wh- what my ideal environment would be like. I ended up taking another job six months after the fact, making considerably less money, uh, doing some the most basic of basic work. But I was happy because while the money wasn't great, the people that were there were incredible. And I I had a really fun experience there. And, um, yeah, I I, I just – it taught me a lot about just kind of what I want to do and what kind of envir- environment is going to work best for me, what kind of people I really want to be around, what kind of style, what kind of work style is going to work best for me and, and what I want to do going forward. I mean, and that's
1: that's vitally important. Like that's Steve, Steve, you can attest to this as well. The place that we worked together is that kind of environment some people are it, it, they're fine with it they can handle the stress they can handle all of that but it is a stressful job and the demands are are high because it's not just a you know here's what you have to do. Here's what you have to do. And here's all of this stuff that you need to know about it before you can even do it. Because the people that you're going to be speaking to are going to have very specific questions about this thing. So you need to know this thing inside and out. And you can try to fake it, fake your way through it. But for the most part, you kind of can't.
3: And, and that that's, that's honestly the thing that kind of added to like a lot of the anxiety I had, which was they would like, even through the five weeks of training, we didn't get through everything, but then they would just throw you in scenarios or throw you out there and be like, yeah, go out there and sound like an expert. Like even if you have never dealt with the thing before, even if you like, it's like the first time I had to walk someone through installing an outdoor camera. And I had never done that before. And all they (laughs) provided for, all they provided for me, excuse me, was a sheet that says, well, if they do this, then this should happen. And if not, well... Get some yeah. duct tape,
1: because duct yeah. tape will fix it. Yeah, like yeah. yeah.
3: so I had to, like... And, and to make everything worse, I was talking to someone who was, like, 70 years old and, like, not very familiar with electronics. So it was, like, the worst thing ever. But, the, but, like, when they would QA the calls and whatnot, like, they would... Like, they would basically just tell you how terrible you are at what you were doing. Like, not even offer any any feedback as to, Hey, this is what you did. Well, maybe do more of that, blah, blah, blah. It would be, we know that you're not trained on how to do this. However, you're still supposed to sound like an expert because you didn't. We're going to dock you points.
1: That's not good. Yeah. Yeah. It was... was just,
3: it was, it was not good. Yeah. And I just recently found out it's kind of an addendum here. Uh, they, they experienced like a ton of turnover since I left. And they ended up just recently having to fire about 80% of their sales and support staff.
1: Well, I mean, from the sound of it, that's, I mean, it, it, that w- they were kind of asking for that with the way they were handling things. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's the thing is like, and, and I think it speaks more to the environment of the way work especially, like, big building, big corporate environments like this, that's kind of the trend that you're getting now is that, like, chew them up and spit them out, you know? Like, let, let's just get through as many people as we possibly can. We don't care about turnover. We we can always find more warm bodies. And that's not a way to succeed at all. And I am I, I'm, I'm hoping that this changes in the future, you know, before we're all replaced by robots. But... <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's a, it's a scary thing. I mean, do you guys want to hear what my answer was for this? Sure. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, of course.
1: I um my my answer was that I I had tried once before to try to uh, get promoted at this place and. I said that that was my biggest failure because I had had a golden opportunity. I was in this this department that like basically churns out people who are candidates for uh, like, you know, supervisors and stuff like that. And I took this opportunity and I didn't really I was too cocky about my abilities because I was like, oh, I'm in this department. It's a shoe in. Right. And I didn't take the the interview seriously. I didn't take the pre work and like all of that stuff. I didn't take it as seriously as I should have. And I, I just expected it to just happen instead of putting in the work. And that's essentially what I said. I said that I was too cocky. I was too arrogant and that I wasn't accountable for what I needed to be accountable for. And that's something that I've gained. I've gained that, that humility. Like I've, I've, I've learned that being humble is always important, but always too, to make sure that before you even think to try to criticize somebody else for not doing something properly, that your house is in order first and that you did everything you could before you start trying to place blame uh, on anybody else. So that, that was my kind of my answer to all of that. And, um, I mean that that's kind of come come to the, come to what we do here too at GGR is like I try not to ever rip on other people unless we're just like making fun of like media and things like that. I don't like making fun of other people who are who are trying to be creative, who are trying to do their their podcasting or blogging or anything like that because ultimately like they're doing the same thing we're doing. There, there's no point in trying to tear down other people, and the only way we're really going to go forward as a community as a world you know is if we try to build each other up and yuli i'm going to quote you because you said one of my favorite things that i've ever heard when it comes to like mutually beneficial helping of each other when it comes to the things that you're working on you know like you know um it it was a riker quote from uh from that episode of star trek um what is it
2: like while the 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 train... train comes in everybody rides
1: yeah exactly like and and us helping each other is only going to make everybody a little bit better. So there, there's no, there's, there's no disadvantage. There's no reason to be selfish. There's no reason to be like, well, I need to get mine first. Like we can all benefit from helping each other.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um, That's what I feel.
1: So, like, it's one of those things too. Like, I, I think some of these. I, I, I also want to talk about just like the crazy things that we've, we've been, the positions we've been put in, like in, in our jobs and the various things that we've done. Like I. I, at one point I I interviewed for this job in the Pentagon city mall, right? It was for a clothes, it was like a sports clothing memorabilia store, but they had stores all over the place. There was one in Philly. There was one in DC. They had them all over the place. Right. And I had been working for blockbuster before and I quit working for blockbuster and I was just doing various jobs around while I was finishing my degree. And I was like, you know, let's get a real full-time job. And I went to this place and within a few days of learning like the register and stuff like that, I found that their safe was missing $150. And I took it to the general manager, the guy who hired me, like the guy who doesn't even work in the stores. He, he like surrounds all the other ones. And I pointed out a problem and I was like, listen, man, here's the problem. OK, you're missing one hundred and fifty dollars. And and he was mad at me because he thought it was my fault. Oh, well, this has never happened before. And you're the new guy. So it has to be your fault. And I was like, listen, I worked for this company as a store manager for a very, very long time. And. Here's here's what's not going to happen. I'm not just going to steal money on the first like five days that I'm working here. I was like, is this really something that you think is my fault? Or you've got people that are working in your stores that have been stealing you blind and you don't even realize it. I left that job and I found out like two weeks later that both of those managers got arrested for stealing after he fired me, mind you.
0: Jeez. Well, yeah.
1: Exactly. You know, and like the guy never apologized. The guy never said anything to me. It was just like, oh, it's it's too late. You know, we already fired you. And it's just like. I, I just I found it amusing that this guy was like well obviously you're the problem and these other people were just robbing you blind granted the guy's bankrupt now so whatever it's his fault <laughs> but like what are some like horror stories that you guys have had like out in the workplace like so things that were just like what the fuck is going on I can't believe that I'm involved in this nonsense
0: mm, that's, mm. A, that's a really good one
1: yeah Steve having I feel you, like having to
0: that- drink a lot of four loco <laughs> <laughs> That, like, that wasn't fun. <laughs> that stuff tasted like just a hot bag of ass. Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, there was some, I mean, what's the right way to say this? Um, in in the banking industry, there tends to be a lot of geriatric customers when you're actually in a branch. Fair enough, yeah. Um, and some of the situations they had were heartbreaking and some of them were quite annoying, like complaining about the font on the ATM machine (laughs) or specifically blaming you for the rates on CDs, for example, like I have any control over them. (laughs) I'm just reporting to you what this large entity is willing to give you to put your money away for a year. I, I I didn't just look at your face and say, you know what, Ethel, point five for you. Like <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, nothing crazy, <laughs> nothing like your story. I mean, I guess the craziest the one summer in college, like when I was home, just working a part time job. Um, I worked at a clothing store and at, I worked at a uh, drive through donut location. And um, the very last day, I guess their headset. You know that you talk through when you're taking the the drive-through orders went missing, and the lady kept calling my mom and harassing her and saying that they were gonna like sue her for the cost of the headset. And I'm like, lady, I I put it in the back office. Like I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Why would I take a headset for for a fast food drive-through? You just as a souvenir. Like what am I gonna use it for? It only works with that one system. It's not just like I can plug it in my computer or anything.
1: Just wear it around everywhere as a trophy. Like
0: you know? yeah. <laughs> I got over on you, donut store. Um, So I eventually like she eventually got on the phone with me and I'm like, look, this is exactly where I put it. If it's gone, I don't know where it is. Why would I take it? Why would I care? Leave my family alone.
1: Yuli, let me ask you, man, as somebody who has worked in the entertainment industry, have you ever been like on a shoot or like done voiceover work or done anything like that where like all of a sudden things just started seeming a little off?
2: hmm okay yeah i yeah i'm 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 considering that because i wasn't i wasn't thinking about please please repeat that
1: (laughs) it it, somebody who's worked in the entertainment industry as somebody who has Mm. done voiceover work and tv and and movies and things like that has there been anything where you've gotten on a set or, or done something and you're just like what the hell is going on here something's really off with this
2: um <laughs> yeah all the time <laughs> I mean, yeah but um, not on most prof- usually that kind of thing happens on uh either production, well, okay, I' will tell you what working on house of cards, one of the worst kept secrets on that show was Kevin Spacey's sexuality, and um you know, while I never observed anything personally his demeanor when it came to young men was a little disconcerting, okay? So, um, uh, it, yes, uh, at the point where either you're working on something where it is, um, they don't have any money and, um, you know, that that's usually when things are like a total clusterfuck, Or if it's a production where there's a lot of money and maybe there is a big time personality that's involved who has some idiosyncrasies uh, is are most frequently the instances where I have noticed something like
3: that.
1: Yeah, I would think that like, wow, I mean, I I never really thought of it like that, but yeah, I was, I was just thinking about like, maybe some person had been like, Hey, I'm an up and coming director and I want you to be involved in this thing. And you're like, yeah, okay, sure. And you sign on to it. And all of a sudden, like, they're like, Oh yeah, we don't have any money by the way. That's like what I just envisioned. I don't know why I envisioned that, but like, Oh yeah.
2: Well, that's the kind of thing again, where there's like no money, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, you know, and I, I did actually work on something similar where, um, there was, I mean, I, I kind of got into it, a friend of a friend had asked me about this and um, you know, it sounded all right. You know, I mean, their money was green up until it wasn't <laughs> and uh, you know, but then you're, you're into it by that time. And you know, I mean, every, every, every entertainment set has its own vibrates and it has its own frequency and it has its own unique, <laughs> um, you know, sort of uh sense of whatever is going on. And uh again depending on the nature of the production you know which usually is what governs all of that you know i mean so uh it 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 really depends i mean i i wish i could uh, you know I, I i've been lucky in that i i have not worked on i mean those those questionable kinds of productions on which i have worked um I've been able to get out of it or they just flat out quit production because they did run out of money or, um, I was fortunate not to get into it in the first place, you know, and, um, you know, that's one of the things that I look at when I am considering whether or not there's uh, some booking that I'm going to accept, you know, I mean, you know, cause, cause usually if you have to, audition for something or you otherwise apply uh it's because you know what the nature of the gig is going to be and either you know the money or you know the role or you know something like that it's a union thing or you know whatever and so you feel protected because of that um you know if there's something that's questionable you absolutely know going in and you have the opportunity uh, assuming that this is something that you have uh Research Because, you know, you research stuff like that similar to what you do when you're seeking any job. In fact, uh, the, the so-called gig economy, you're required to do a little bit more of that because you're looking for a job on a regular basis, you know. But you have the opportunity to say, no, nah, I don't think so. And in fact, sometimes when it gets kind of uncomfortable is... If you happen to know somebody who's involved, who makes some sort of personal appeal to you, or there's somebody who reaches out to you uh, about, um, you know, some small thing and uh, maybe you don't get back to them as quick as they want, or maybe you don't get back to them at all. And if they keep calling you and that can be like, Oh damn, you know, (laughs) what in the hell is this? Because I can tell you that if there's something uh, that I'm doing or something that I'm looking for somebody for, or on behalf of somebody, I'll reach out to, I'll, I'll reach out to you. and If you don't get back to me, I move on. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I guess Mike doesn't want to do it or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, but you, you, you move on. I mean, you don't keep calling the same person like sending them text messages. Call me as soon as possible. It? I mean, that, sends a very bad signal to me, you know, when that kind yeah. of thing happens too, you know, it's like, oh, what the hell is this? Why haven't you given up on me? I haven't returned your call all week. You know, <laughs> what gives, you know? <laughs> and you draw certain conclusions based on that too. You know, one of the things that has surprised me is when people don't use their own good sense. I mean, you know, you, people have instincts and your antenna goes up and, you know, stuff happens or whatever. And, you know, you, you have to make certain decisions about what you're going to do or what you're not going to do. And if you're getting a bad feeling about something based on whatever your initial, uh, your, your intuition tells you for want of a better term, you know, listen to that. (laughs) Don't just, Oh, what the hell? I mean, I, I understand you may need the money or whatever, but, you know, sometimes it's easier to not get into something that saves you more money than getting into it, making certain commitments and then trying to get out.
1: MC,
3: any yep. horror stories like that? Um, What's the What's well, I mean, what's the question again? Just like just like, just like work just horror stories, like you, you, you take
1: on a job and you're just like, what the fuck did I get myself into? like where it's just an absolute dumpster fire.
3: Uh, uh, yikes. Um, yes. So, well, sort of, yeah. So I used to work with this education nonprofit, um, in DC. Um, I was a site coordinator for, um, a number of years. I primarily did it over the summer, but I, I did, I did work during the, 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 the regular school year at times also. Um, I remember I primarily worked with the uh elementary school level kids. Like that was primarily the age group I was comfortable with, I was cool with, et cetera. Um, well, we had a situation one day where they were like, Hey, you know, do you mind going over to one of the middle school locations? I was like, Yeah, sure, you know, I'm getting paid either way, you know, why not? Um so I decided to go. And middle school, the like, the way the middle school program was run was just so very different than any of the elementary school kids. Like, many of the, the elementary school programs, it was really easy to get them to do stuff. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, you can, we can have extra outside time or, you know, we can color and do all this other stuff. The uh, middle school program was was kind of, like, the opposite it was like the the inmates running the asylum <laughs> and like i got there this is my first day there and the people who supposedly have been there for a time already are looking to me to help them f- keep everything under control because you know you had kids who are just like walking in and out at will just kind of going to do their own thing and it's like that 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 can't happen like we're they're parents are kind of entrusting us to keep their kids safe until they're here to pick us up or until they're dismissed to go home and i mean it was just it was just a clusterfuck clusterfuck excuse me yeah of just stuff i mean for one no one wanted to listen to me because i'm the new person you know who cares what i have to say <laughs> and then the people who've been there were complete complete walkovers as far as literally everything. And I remember just kind of sitting there like, I'm like, do I, why am I here?
1: That's yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine like with, with kids too. It just makes it that much more difficult. Like I get Oh man. I, the who scary stuff. Um, So we, we got, we, I mean, another great episode of the, of the diner where we just, we learn and talk about things that like, Uh, things a lot of that I didn't know about you guys. I mean, it's always cool learning more about like your history and the thing that you guys have gone through. Um, So we stayed kind of off the, the GGR beaten path of the geeky and nerdy. Um, But I definitely want to tease for what we're going to talk about next. Um, Not tonight, but the next time Um, there's more developments in the Spider-Man saga right now that MC, that MC Brooks hit me to. So make sure you tune into next week's episode of GGR pirate radio as well. Cause we'll be talking about that. Cause there is an interesting development with that. Um, real quick, I wanted to give you a, a chance to kind of plug what you do with fantastic forum, buddy. Cause I know that you got to do uh, SPX, uh, last weekend. Um, I mean, tell us a little bit about like what's coming up on, on fantastic forum, like how SPX was that sort of stuff.
2: Oh, okay. Well, uh, I was actually at SPX, not under the auspices of fantastic forum, uh, for the past few years, I have, had a independent relationship with them uh, as a um uh as a video professional actually and so um. i was uh, i was there um recording the uh the the guest panels of the SPX special guests and so but uh, you are going to be uh, it, it is quite likely that in the coming weeks on fantastic forum that uh, people will have the opportunity to um, actually enjoy uh, some of those SPX panels. In particular, there was one, or, or possibly even uh, some of the guests from SPX that I had a chance to uh, meet and uh, possibly set something up with uh, for uh, individual one-on-ones. But there were certainly some, some great panels, uh, and the Small Press Expo executive committee has been very forthcoming about allowing me to use the material. And uh, so there have been times when I have literally taken a small press expo panel, and that's been the episode of Fantastic Forum. Today, we are rebroadcasting this panel from the small press expo. Um, uh, There was one that I was, uh, that I found uh, particularly and I mean although most of the panels that were there uh were were really good but um the one that uh, I had in mind sort of as the first one that I was going to be likely to uh to rebroadcast actually the first two um, uh cartoonist Keith Knight uh who uh recently inked a deal for um a uh a television series um but uh Keith Knight uh irreverent cartoonist uh, he did a panel on racial illiteracy, and um, you know you are gonna you are quite likely to hear that coming up on the show. Uh, I also was talking to Keith about uh, being able to get him as a guest on Fantastic Forum as the uh, debut of his own uh, television series comes up, uh, because I'd very much like to talk to him about that uh, when he was on set in Vancouver over the summer shooting the pilot. Uh, Because it's based on his life as a cartoonist. And uh, he is one of the producers of the show. So, uh, you know, apparently he's going to be able to uh, promote it. And uh, he's going to come on and and we're going to do some of that. Um, The other thing that I found very fascinating was um, a panel on graphic journalism. And, uh, you know, you have uh, some cartoonists... Uh, who are essentially drawing cartoons of real life. Uh, it is real journalism. In fact, uh, Ted Rawl comes to mind. Uh, you may be familiar with his work. He actually did a graphic novel on, and in fact, to date, it is still, uh, the only, uh, graphic biography that is available on, um, whistleblower, um, what's his face uh damn this is terrible i can't come up with this guy's Ed- name edward snowden yes, snowden exactly thank you and um you know so ted Rawl did this uh, and i learned quite a bit from reading it but uh ted Rawl was a part of this panel uh it was um moderated by andrew iden who is the co-author of march um, some of the other people who were involved uh, on this particular panel were um uh Come on now, um Jerome uh Tubania, uh Amy dejong, uh Josh Kramer. Uh, anyway, it was a very interesting and insightful panel, and all of these people who have been to places like I mean, around the world, Afghanistan, hot spots, Iran, you know all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, drawing uh, these. Uh, comic journalist events stuff and all that anyway. But like I said, very, uh, very interesting, informative and entertaining panel. And um, that one you are also likely to hear on a upcoming episode of Fantastic Forum. But the Small Press Expo is, uh, I I look at it largely as a sort of literary event. I mean, it's all about small and independent publishers uh, of uh, comics and sequential storytelling uh, vehicles and wonderful event, uh, very well received, uh, as you might imagine, because it highlights small and individual publishers. There is a particular focus on diversity, um, a lot of LB LBGTQ, uh, types of stuff, um, uh, minorities represented, um, you know, various alternate types of lifestyles and culture uh, pieces, uh, and you know, very. Interesting weekend, as always, it's held at the Marriott Bethesda North Hotel and Conference center, which is actually located in Rockville. I guess they call it Bethesda North, but it's the single largest ballroom in Montgomery County. And let me tell you, they fill this ballroom, it's the dealers' room, and they fill this ballroom. It's a damnedest thing. They've sort of outgrown the facility, but they want to deliberately keep this a um an attendable event. I mean, for example, as opposed to a lot of uh, conventions, the because it's, it's always over a Saturday and a Sunday, uh, the two-day rate to get in, I mean, for like two days, it's like 30 bucks to go to this show. And part of the reason that they keep the prices low are so that people have money to spend on the comics. And they really encourage, in fact, if you're a creator, that's the type of thing where you can swap comics with some other creator. You know, oh, they're not only willing to sell you, oh, what you got to swap? You know, this is my thing. Let me take your thing and read it. And there's a wonderful um, uh, sort of esprit de corps among the cartoonists and the comic people. Also, what a lot of people aren't aware of uh, is that Cartoon Network and a lot of the uh, animation houses uh, are mining the small press expo for talent. Uh, Rebecca Sugar, uh, who, um, you know, the creator of um, Steven Universe, Uh, she she got on there uh, as a result of them discovering her at uh, the Small Press Expo. Um, Also uh, BoJack Horseman, um, the uh, crap, Um, uh, Raphael Bob uh, Waksberg, Um, he's somebody else, you know, who found him at the Small Press Expo. So, if you happen to be a creator and you've got some stuff, and especially if you're in animation and all that, wonderful place to go and uh, to be able to rub elbows with with all sorts of folks. Is a uh, fe- one of the few festival prizes in uh, comics in the United States, the Ignatz Awards, named after uh, Ignatz the Mouse from the K- Crazy Cat Strip, and you'll find that the Eisner Awards, Will Eisner Comic Book Awards, and the Harveys frequently will take cues from the Ignatz Awards in terms of who gets an Ignatz. And these people are looked at more closely for some of these other uh, better known comics awards. So a lot of interesting things happening uh, every year at the Small Press Expo. And they also have uh, an involvement with the National Book Festival. They always do stuff in connection with that over at the Library of Congress. So it's, it's really legit and a lot of fun to be a part of. I'm just delighted that uh, they continue to, to let me come out and hang around and rub elbows with uh, all these wonderful folks. So this
1: was a chance for you to really showcase this, this event. Uh, because I mean, from what I've heard about it from everybody I know who's been involved, it's just, it's an awesome event to be part of. Um, and it's really just a reminder for, for me and MC to remember to actually apply for press credentials next year for this so that we can go. <laughs> um, cause I totally forgot. Yeah. I completely forgot to do it too. So we'll, we'll definitely have to do this again as somebody, as somebody who's created something too. I mean, I would love to see, cause it's been a few years since we've put anything out there for Ethan Stone. I would love to see what other people think about that comic book. Um, but also like I'm working on a ton of other writing projects right now too. Cool. But, um, but Yuli, yeah. Hey, thanks, man, for being on on another episode of GGR Pirate Radio. Again, check out his stuff; it's fantasticforum.tv. Check him out tomorrow at four PM on WERA.FM or ninety six point seven if you're in the Arlington listening area. Um, I also wanted to make sure that I plugged another equally hardworking and talented person that's on this podcast tonight. Uh, his name is Mike Lonsford. No, I'm just kidding.
3: Uh,
1: <laughs> his name his name is his name is MC Brooks. And this guy continues to put out great music. In fact, he just put out a music video. It's called Better Days. So I just tested this theory. If you go to Google and you type in Better Days MC Brooks, you can find the video. It's right there on YouTube. You can see his awesome music video, his awesome music video that he shot. Um, So go and check it out. But also, I mean, like you need to support this dude, throw some money his way, like help this guy out because he's doing good stuff. And like, I feel like he's right now on Facebook, he's trying to find a band. And I feel like once this dude finds a band, I almost want to sabotage him because I feel like if once he finds a band, we're never going to see him again because he's going to get huge and he's going to get like all, super famous and like we'll never see MC Brooks again. And we'll we'll be like, hey, guys, remember when we knew MC Brooks before he was super famous? Yeah. Now we're just here doing our podcast as he's making millions of dollars and dating a Kardashian and here oh, we are. he will
0: be like, shut up, Mike. Give me my French fries. Oh, <laughs> uh, MC Brooks better
2: be careful. We we know some stuff about you, dude.
3: <laughs> Don't forget us. So when I see my name in the no, National TMZ. Enquirer, I know I know who to come to. to, come to. Yeah.
1: are just ratting you out, just left and right. You see
3: that how, did, how, how, did TMZ, how did TMZ find out about that one day at awesome time? <laughs> <laughs> okay. How did.
1: How did how did they find, how did they find out about my involvement with the with Big Chungus when I was at
3: I
0: couldn't even get it out. I started laughing before I said it. That's still one of my favorite episodes
3: we've ever done.
1: Oh my god, when he was just telling us about all the stuff that was happening at which 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 con was that?
3: That was Khan. Jesus, <laughs> that is that
1: was a fun episode, man. But, guys, speaking of fun episodes, this one was a a wonderful episode. Thank you for joining us uh, at the diner this evening. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll be talking the nerdy and geeky stuff again. Again, we got news about Spider-Man. There's so much stuff coming out that we will be able to discuss with you when it comes to all things geeky and nerdy related. But for Steve, for MC, for Yuli, my name is Mike. And thank you so much for being part of the GGR Pirate Radio and Great Geek Refuge family. Thank you all for listening. And don't be a juice bag.
0: Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio.
2: Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for more podcasts and
3: our awesome articles.
0: This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice (laughs) Bags. Yeah, boy!